In the north of Western Australia lies a stunning landscape, the home of the largest collection of rock art in the world. It's one of the only places on earth where people and their land have been recorded in art for more than 50,000 years. But it's also a place of contradictions, a site of cultural and historical significance created over millennia, sitting alongside a large-scale industrial development. This is a story that awkwardly juxtaposes our country's history with its modern-day wealth. The preservation of stories from the world's longest-living civilization, and the insatiable demand for resources that power Australia's economy. I'm Tyler Tully from Curtin University on Wadjuk Noongar Country. And from Junction Journalism, this is Making a Difference. On the Burra Peninsula, a landscape of deep orange-brown and red rocks stretch as far as the eye can see. Spinifex grass adds flecks of yellow and green to the saturated colour palette. The craggy hills of rocks contrast the bright blue sky. Heat radiates from the iron-stained rocks as flies buzz in the arid air. But it's not the breathtaking natural beauty of this place that draws you in. What makes this landscape truly extraordinary is the ancient art etched into these rocks. Engravings of kangaroos and emus, complex patterns and simple geometric shapes. It's sacred art that offers us a window into the lives of the first humans who walked this land possibly 60,000 years ago. The value globally is unsurpassed. It's the Louvre, it's the Mona Lisa, Mm. it's our Bible. That's Robin Chappell, a former politician and engineer who's now fighting to preserve this historic site. We'll meet Robin shortly, but first, the story of how a museum, ancient rock art, ended up with a petrochemical plant as its neighbour. This battle is playing out in the Dampier Archipelago, 1,500 kilometres north of Perth in WA's Pilbara region. The archipelago is made up of 42 islands, one of which is the Barat Peninsula. In the Nalama Yarrabara language, it's called Murujuga, meaning hip bone sticking out. Murujuga is home to the richest concentration of rock carvings, otherwise known as petroglyphs, of any area in the world. It's also a living testament to the laws, history and culture of the Nada Nali people, the traditional owners of the land. But the journey to recognise and protect this place hasn't been easy. Back in 1994, when the Native Title Act was introduced, overlapping claims were made for Murujuga by five Indigenous groups. These groups would eventually come together to form the Murujuka Aboriginal Corporation. For these traditional custodians, Murujuga tells the stories of their people and their culture. But the land on the Barat Peninsula held an attraction because of its other natural riches as well. Industry was first attracted to the area in the 1960s, when Rio Tinto developed an iron ore port near the town of Dampier. Further discoveries found a wealth of gas reserves and, in 1984, the Burrup Hub Industrial Complex, led by Woodside Energy, started to take shape. The WA government realised the economic potential of the peninsula and, at the start of the century, wanted to buy more land. That purchase had to be made from the Murujuka Aboriginal Corporation, 
and while there was some resistance from the traditional owners, the deal went ahead. It resulted in a formal agreement in which almost 5,000 hectares on the Burrup would be officially declared the Murujuka National Park. The trade-off was that the land adjacent to the rock art would become a large petrochemical industrial complex. There are now two liquefied gas plants, a fertiliser plant and an ammonium nitrate plant on the peninsula, and they produce billions of dollars worth of exports a year. And understanding the scale of the Barup Hub is important to this story. It's a $50 billion project comprising of two offshore gas fields and accompanying rail infrastructure. How it came to be, or even allowed to be, is a matter of great contention. The reason why the park was chosen was because uh, bad information. That's Robin Chappell again. He first visited Murujuga in 1976, whilst working in the area as an engineer. He used to take his one day off a week to explore the Burrup. Chapel said he knew nothing about Indigenous history, rock art or culture, but was fascinated by the magnitude of petroglyphs. But it was just so prolific, just about every rock had a carving on it. Um, some very deep, some quite spiritual, some very old. It was an art gallery and I just used to love roaming it. So it was like going into the Louvre or uh, uh, to the British Museum. It was just amazing. Chapel said it wasn't until he started working in and exploring the Pilbara that he began to understand the chronology and cultural significance of the engravings. He's now become one of its fiercest defenders because he believes Murujuga should never have become home to Australia's gas giants. Chapel says land surveys in the 1960s that were looking for locations for industrial development underreported the prevalence of petroglyphs in Murujuga. He says two botanists were sent to conduct the initial surveys of the Dampier archipelago. In passing, they estimated that 200 engravings were present on the site. A subsequent report was presented to the government. It stated that of all the potential sites, what's now known as the Barrett Peninsula had the fewest rock engravings. As a result, it was recommended as the ideal location for industrial development. Never did a proper survey, never understood that there was over two million pieces of rock art on uh, Barrett or Morujuga. In the intervening years, archaeological interest has shown that the survey failed to understand the significance of the rock carvings. Studies have estimated more than one million ancient petroglyphs can be found on the Barrett Peninsula, in an area 20 kilometres long and 5 kilometres wide. Archaeologist Ken Mulvaney has been researching rock art in Western Australia for more than four decades. That he's written about in his book, Murujuka Mani. He says a petroglyph is created by removing a portion of the rock surface through methods such as scratching, incising, pounding, engraving or abrading. Mulvaney believes most of the artworks produced within the Dampier region were from a method of pounding or pecking. Robin Chapel says there's no place like it in the world. There are three reasons. Firstly, it's the oldest rock art in the world. It is the largest assemblage of rock art anywhere in the world. And, and that's uh, all down to the fact that it was done on granite by a rock. Everywhere else, they might have done this rock art, but it's gone. 
it's eroded away. So that's what makes it the oldest, and that's what makes it the largest assemblage. But also, we have the archaic faces. They're quite unique, they're quite odd, and they are most probably the earliest representation of a human face anywhere on the planet. The rocks in the region are mainly a type of igneous rock that are extremely hard. Over a span of two million years, the rocks developed a thick blackish-brown weathered skin, also referred to as the rock patina. The hard skin is very difficult to penetrate and withstands extreme weather conditions and erosion. The images are created by breaking through the rock patina and exposing the lighter coloured rock underneath. It's this rock composition that enabled the Murujuka petroglyphs to outlast other historic engravings of its kind. I've been fortunate enough to see many of the world's major rock art sites. The rock art I have seen at Murujuka is by far the largest body of rock art in the world. It was, ex it was created over a very long time period and it includes many, many different styles of art. That's geologist John Clark who worked for the West Australian Museum when Woodside began construction on its first LNG plant. He was one of the key people involved in rock art preservation in WA. Clark says that although the rock composition enabled the petroglyphs to last for a long time, the exact time frame is unknown and highly contested. Unlike prehistoric paintings that involve the use of plant and animal-based pigments, rock art engravings are very hard to date. Archaeologists have used many techniques to establish a potential time frame, but it's argued the petroglyphs in Murujuka could predate all their estimations. We estimate the largest portion of the rock art ranged between 1,500 and 6,000 years old. There are pieces that may be considerably older. We can't know for sure. Aboriginal people have been living in Australia for over 65,000 years and it's probable that they have been making art over this time period. Other experts have different theories on the age of the engravings. Ken Mulvaney argues that the remnants of a trumpet shell he examined could be at least 21,000 years old and, possibly, of even greater historical significance. He says when you take into consideration the changes in style, content and weathering over generations, some of the art is more likely to be 45,000 years old. And he says there's evidence it was still being produced up until the late 1800s. Robin Chappell, the politician-cum-preservation activist, says the rock art could be intergenerational. Well, the piles of rock you see on the borough, they're in situ about two million years old. So when people came along and started carving on them, very difficult to carve on, very hard, the carvings remained. These carvings were intergenerational. They were started by somebody and then they were finished by somebody else in the next generation. While the age of the rock art is difficult to exactly pinpoint, what's not contested is the extraordinary nature of the site. It's a treasure that a band of traditional owners, scientists and environmental groups are urgently trying to protect. It is shocking to me that the government not only support but actually have subsidised the destruction of heritage at Marijuga. 
That's Gerard Mazza, who works as a journalist on Nolama land in the Pilbara. Both the state and federal governments gave vast amounts of money to Perdoman for their urea facility to be developed. And the government should not be financing this kind of destruction, both of climate and of culture. He's also a campaigner for Disrupt Burrup Hub, a group that's campaigning to stop industry on the archipelago. Mazza was one of the protesters who was charged with trespassing on the Perth home of Woodside CEO Meg O'Neill, a protest that gained even more notoriety when it was covered by the ABC's Four Corners program. Mazza says allowing chemical plants so close to the rock engravings amounts to the desecration of Morajuga. It's outrageous that rock art sites continue to be moved and that chemical emissions are being increased, which will have a damaging effect on the rock art. Mazza is not alone in his concerns. It's widely agreed that the high concentration of acidic and nitrate-rich pollution can have an impact on the outer layer of the rock patina. Over time, this may affect the colour and visibility of the petroglyphs. But the extent to which this is happening has led to a highly charged debate in the science community. Two long-serving archaeologists have been monitoring the chemistry and colour of the rock art since 2017. They've been doing so for Yarra, a Norwegian firm that has a plant on the Barup Peninsula, which makes ammonia and explosives from gas. The pair published research that found the acidity from emissions on the Barup hub, such as nitrogen and sulphur oxides, are a threat to the colour of the rock art. But they argue weather events such as heavy rain and cyclones and salt spray from the ocean will negate increasing acidity. Findings drew an emphatic response from other eminent archaeologists, led by Professor Ben Smith from the University of Western Australia. This team of scientists studied photographs from 26 engravings when industry first started on the Burrup and compared them with the present day. They found that 50% of the petroglyphs had shown signs of change and two had suffered considerable damage. Professor Smith says industrial pollution is already eroding the outer layer of Murajuka's rocks, and the carvings are slowly disappearing. Robin Chappell, who's been living and working in the area for four decades, says there has been a change in Murajuka since his first visit in the 1970s. He's noticed signs of the black patina exterior of the rocks located under trees in the industrial complex, turning a whitish colour. The rock art has been there for... 40,000 years plus. So we're, we're seeing these sorts of effects in 10, 20 years. What will be the effect in 100 years? Uh, many of the scholars are sort of saying it will dissolve the patina, so the visual effect of a lighter colour coming through the patina will be gone. Um, and because the, the rind is a softer material, the acid could eat into that and take that away, and then uh, the petroglyph will disappear. For its part, Woodside says the way that it manages and protects cultural heritage has improved over time. It admits that, in the beginning, the company's development on the Burrup did not involve or even consult the traditional custodians. That has now changed. 
and Woodside says it complies with the laws set out by the environmental regulator for the protection of Aboriginal cultural and historical sites. The company maintains peer-reviewed research has not shown any impact on Marujuka rock art from emissions. Among the traditional owners and many in the science community, there's an urgency to demonstrate the impact of the Burrup Hub on Murujuga. They figure evidence will force a change. But another way to protect the rock art is to have the site properly recognised for its cultural and historical significance. The Murujuga Aboriginal Corporation wants it listed as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And with the WA government, it's been working on the application since 2013. To be successful, they need to show that Murujuka met UNESCO's criteria of being outstanding in geographical, cultural and global terms. All of that took time, and it wasn't until 2020 that Murujuka was tentatively listed with World Heritage status. A formal nomination from the federal government was lodged in early 2023, and a decision by UNESCO is expected sometime in 2024. If successful, Murujuka will join 41 other rock art sites around the world on the World Heritage List. Three of them are in Australia, at Uluru, Kakadu and the Blue Mountains. The fact that Murujuka is possibly older than all of them and yet still not offered the protection of World Heritage status angers many, including Gerard Mazza. From a World Heritage perspective, that rock art is actually significant for all of humankind and it's part of the world's heritage, which we all must treasure. Time is of the essence for those trying to protect Murujuga. All the while, the wheels of industry keep turning on the peninsula. The Western Australian government has approved an extension to the Burrup Hub complex. Construction started in April 2023 on a $6.4 billion plant to convert extracts from the Scarborough gas field into urea fertiliser. The Perdamon Urea project is set to produce 2 million tonnes of fertiliser a year. The lease for the project is 80 years. The WA Environmental Protection Authority has set out mitigation strategies to prevent environmental and cultural harm. The test of those strategies will be if scientists are able to prove, unequivocally, that industrial pollution is harming the Murujuga rocks. Here's Gerard Mazza. Without a doubt, it's time to stop expanding that industry and then to look at winding down what's already there. It's unbelievable to me that that industry is still expanding, that they are putting new developments in that particular place when it's one of the most uh, important archaeological sites in the world. A lot of the debate about the Barup Hub focuses on the environmental and economic issues. Environmental groups say the industrial complex will significantly increase Australia's carbon emissions at a time when we're supposed to be reducing them. The mining companies say the development will contribute tens of billions of dollars in royalties and tax, mostly to Western Australia's coffers. And there's also the thousands of jobs that will be created. All of it is probably true. And all of it is worth scrutinising. But traditional owners despair at this focus when Murujuka means so much more to them and to this country's history. Murujuka is about their culture, their way of life, their knowledge, told in pictures for tens of thousands of years. 
It connects them to people and events from the past and to the beliefs they hold today. They say none of that can be quantified. Murjuga is sacred. And if the rock art disappears, all of that history will be lost. For Robin Chapel, as with many of the traditional owners, and even some in the science community, preserving Murajuga has been a lifetime's work. Now into his 70s, Chapel says he'll continue to fight for the Burrup for as long as he can. We should stop any further development on Burrup. Um, they should go somewhere else. Government should make them go somewhere else. Government, I know, won't. And that makes me sound really defeated. Mm. I'm not defeatist. I will fight tooth and nail till they cremate me or whatever they're going to do with me, I don't know. Because it has to be fought. This story was written and produced by me, Tyler Tully, from Curtin University. Making a Difference is a production by Junction Journalism. Make sure you subscribe in your favourite podcast app to get new episodes of our series, The Long Read. And for more stories from the best student journalism in Australia, go to our website, junctionjournalism.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.